0: Hey, guys, uh, it's KP here. Uh, There's a message before this episode to let you guys know real quickly. We had to bum rush the very end of this. Uh, my, uh, my beautiful, handsome Delph of a dad was a bit of a windbag on this one. And uh, I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously, our guest knew a lot about the topic. Uh, I want to bring a lot about the topic. My father researched uh, way over the top for the topic, uh, which, as you are going to see, is uh, Jim Thorpe. And we wanted to put this episode out uh, the week of the Super Bowl because he had such an NFL legacy. However, we were running so late and poor Kahuna had to go out and put out a fire because another podcast was supposed to be in here. So we apologize to those guys. Uh, We're sorry we ran late. Um, But that being said, guys, we do have to speed through the very end of this one. So you're going to hear it almost ending abruptly. So I just want you to be aware of that one. We cover everything about Jim Thorpe's life. But at the very end, we have to kind of cascade past the part where... His remains were taken, and uh, his wife kind of sold his dead body to create a town in Pennsylvania. So more on that later. You guys are it. We do cover all the information, but we just get like a cocaine panic freak out towards the very end. But uh, guys, do me a favor and please enjoy uh, Jim Thorpe, American Loser.
1: It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road
2: I pick the wrong one and then I go American Loser, yes I am
1: Disenfranchised from everything I fall up and I fall down The day I was born.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Where else could we be? You're back on American Loser. It's the spotlight uh, is firmly on second place here on this podcast. Set it backwards, but we're going to keep it. We got places to be, things to do. <laughs> All right. So, not for nothing, guys. I'm KP Burke. I'm your host on this show. With me, as always, who other than my father, the Dulf of a Dad, Lawrence Patrick. How are you?
2: Hey, we're just doing wonderful. Couldn't be any better. I hear you. Where are we, Dad? We are in at the shared universe in our own lovely garden spot of a nation. Eatontown, New Jersey. <laughs> we sure are, man.
0: Mike can maintain great care of us as always. Not for nothing, real quick, uh, unofficial sponsor of the show. I'm going to make him a sponsor of the show. Dad, <laughs> right. you were drinking a beer. Actually, you're drinking a beer on air right now. Well, yeah, I what, guess. What kind of beer are you drinking? Uh, we're doing a, a Ross beer. A Ross beer. Ross the, Brewery. The Navasink IPA. Okay. There you go. And uh, our guest is going to be our subject matter expert on that here. Uh, but first, who's behind the ones and twos other than... The, the Big, big Kahuna. Kahuna. What's up, you guys? How you doing? Thanks for sneaking us in today, buddy. I appreciate course, you. So no problem. It's, um, no, lots of good stuff going on here. We've had, uh, we're trying to get as many episodes uh, recorded before uh, my dad turns into South Beach Larry again. So, he, he, it's going to happen.
2: Getting a little chilly, folks. Got to gotta start heading south. It is. There was a wind today. Just a little?
0: Cut through us, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Felt
0: it down in our bones. But, uh, not for nothing, returning guests, because... Uh, That's what I think we found here. We do have some good guests that come on that are are, are either one-offs, or we just haven't had a chance to bring them back on yet again. But uh, when we have a guest that understands the show, understands the show, and listens to the show, they tend to be quality guests. And one of the quality guests we have is one of my great friends in comedy. All right, I feel like I say that a lot, but I really mean it with this guy. It's <laughs> yeah. not I'm not fluffing it up so I can just get through the awkwardness. Uh, Marcus Aurelius Ricadanus joins us here on the show. Long time listener, third time caller. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you uh, go. Touche, man. Well, well, it's good to have you back. I love being here. You guys. <laughs> Are the best. <laughs> like we said, you are the only guest that has come on here. Well, there's a couple other guests. Everybody loves the Kahuna when they come on, but uh, you are the only guest that has actually done outside work with the Kahuna. Oh man, the so.
3: Kahuna's the man. He uh, he came over. He he may have made my son become a uh, work in the film
0: industry. He watched Kahuna at work and now he's obsessed. That's it's the truth, man. It's a uh, well Kahuna when he's uh, when he's fully engaged is a, a dangerous man. He's magical. He's <laughs> man.
1: <laughs> I like how you went dangerous and you went magical but then yeah. went back and forth like it, is it dangerous, is it magical. And when probably?
2: you can take Mark's you can take Mark's five year old son and just like he's completely enthralled with uh, the, the Everything magic of the kahuna. Oh, no, right, it, right. They right. talked about
3: Thomas right. for hours, then they worked on film <laughs> together, they talked about lighting, I felt like the uh, stepchild, I shouldn't have been That's there.
2: <laughs> it had nothing to do with the flashy lights that he was controlling on the soundboard there. It was all, it was all, it was all Kahuna. You really are it wasn't bells and whistles and, and flashing LEDs. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was all him.
0: That is wild. Now, he is designed to be fascinating. For well, First of all, I find you fascinating, and I'm 32 years old. Now imagine a five year old. You're like, Wait a minute! You write for Thomas the Tank Engine? <laughs> right. You make willingly? Your, you make your own Muppets? Right. 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 Again, That's willingly?
4: It.
3: That's it. <laughs> Axel's like the gods do walk among us.
1: <laughs> What's up, Axel? <laughs> uh,
0: well, we got a good one here for you today, and uh, we got we got places to be. Like I said, uh, Uncle Paulie's cooking dinner for us, so we have to be on time for that. That is, uh, otherwise, that uh, that rapscallion of a gentleman gets a little. I'm going to say ornery, Dad. Is that well, fair he, to say?
2: He, he gets a, a a keener edge than his normal edge. Oh yeah, and it,
0: it'll be passive aggressive too. It'll be like, oh well, you know, the dinner would have been hot if you were here on time.
2: <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes a miffed,
0: <laughs> Uncle uh, Uncle Paulie here, yeah. Paul. the Italian who married into the family. But uh, now, not for nothing, Mark, uh, you currently reside in the great state of Pennsylvania. Is that I true? I do. You're outside of Philly still, right? Yep, okay. Ambler, Pennsylvania. Fantastic. Now, how far away is that from? Uh, what was once known as Ma Chunk, Pennsylvania. Ma Chunk? Do you mean Jim Thorpe?
3: <laughs> I, uh, we actually live right down the turnpike from it. It's probably get there
0: in about 40 minutes. Well, I first found out about this because we, we do have, we've we've created a universe now in this whole American Loser thing where there's enough going on uh, and there's enough characters at play that we have those Game of Thrones moments where the, the two storylines kind of, fall cool. in on one another so yeah it's many storylines cool, really. overlap so now the the molly Maguires episode one of my favorites cousin kate came in for that one and we covered the the true mafioso slash labor union that was the, the molly Maguires. Uh, if you want to learn about them please oh, check listen. that episode it was a very fun one um but uh so the towns that a lot of that took place and was much that has now been renamed after as mark said this week's american loser who was uh once again into the mic buddy Jim Thorpe. <laughs> <laughs> Cahoons, what do you know about Jim Thorpe off the top of your head?
1: Uh, that's it. Wow. <laughs> you know the name, right? Yeah, the name does ring a bell.
0: Well, because as scouts growing up, we would go uh, whitewater rafting in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, was it not? A well, little close by, yep. Very nearby. So. Wait, was it a recent
1: rename that they did, or is it like...
0: Uh, recent enough, I'll put it that way. It was. Um, we're going to cover this story today. When we talk about this guy's life, I think it's fair to say that it starts off as just, okay, this is an interesting story. And then you're going to think that we're just making, making shit, shit up. up. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. This guy's the greatest athlete to ever, ever live. And nobody knows who he is. It's, but it's so weird because everybody knows his name. They just don't know what it was that he accomplished. And not for nothing in his own life, I don't think he knew what he was going to even be truly remembered for. But uh, not for nothing. Uh, Mark, where were you in 1999?
3: I was about to graduate high school.
0: (laughs) Scary time, right? You're about to be out of high school. It's uh, the new millennium. The world's about to end. Yeah.
3: uh... (laughs) I just moved to New York City, and uh, 99 to 2000, I was actually living in Times Square, right at the... Actually, went to that ball
0: drop. I don't want to tell uh, people what you were doing in Times Square, but uh, let me just say that he wore a giant red sword and told everybody to tickle him. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: what you did for a living?
3: <laughs> this was way before Times Square would allow an Elmo in there. There was a lot of tickle me stuff, but it was not Elmo. You know? Reach yeah. into
1: your pocket slowly, I know it gets hurt.
0: <laughs> so, but, uh,
1: Listen, I'm just going to let it end there, because I can do a scary good Elmo, and I'm not going to
0: do it. I'll tell you what, at the at the very end, I want to hear it. Oh, <laughs> the, God. That's how we're going to keep the well, listeners cool. <laughs> engaged. And I do want you to think about, uh, they, they did make a movie about this guy's life, but I do want you to think about if you had to make a movie now, I do want to go back to Kahuna's casting couch. I want to get back to that. It was a good oh, segment. Oh, yeah.
1: That was yeah. a thing I did.
0: But uh, not for nothing here, guys. I remember the end of 1999 as a mix of things. There was the uh, Yankees baseball dynasty that uh, entertained me in my youth. There was the uh, uh, the important battle of Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock and a uh, certain blonde girl that sat behind me in all my classes in sixth grade who was so pretty that I pretty much took a year off from farting.
3: Oh, okay. At least in that class. Oh, God. It How was... much weight did you gain in That's that year? A... Just <laughs> swelling up.
0: Remember, um, remember when the guy loses his mind at the end of uh, Big Trouble in Little China? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I looked like halfway through class. But... Uh, that it was a cool thing to be witnessing the end of the year, uh, a decade, a century, and hell, even a millennium. We're never going to see that again. But uh, I always thought it was cool because there's all these lists that were coming out at the time. So there were lists for uh, what was the, the, quote, best of the century, best albums, best movies, best moments. One kind of stuck out, though. Um, I remember having a book, and it was uh, the all-time greatest uh, baseball teams. right? And in my mind, the greatest baseball player of all time was uh, you know Don Mattingly. Okay, now I'm, I'm short on that list. There's a lot of other players that are probably. It's because of your mustache fetish, but
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, call me out on that one here, man. I truly regret shaving. By the way, but um, it uh, the thing that stuck out for me uh, was that the best athlete of the 1900s. Now, mind you, that uh, there's always that screwed up thing too to confuse everybody. It's the 1900s or the 20th century. That's always... Screwing there you up. Go. Yeah. I can never figure I've that.
3: never figured it out still nope. to this day. I, I don't know what... From
2: 1900 to 1999. That's, <laughs> that's the time span.
0: It's, it, but that this should be the 900s. Yeah. I'm really bad at math, okay? They tried the Chicago method of math. It did not work out good for us. Um, but... Uh, in this voting, I thought this was very interesting, the best athlete of the 1900s. Who are the names that jump off the list for you, Mark, at the top? I, yard? You would think somebody like Michael Jordan. Of course. You would think uh, Don, or you said Don Manning, Lou Gehrig or uh, Mickey Mantle. Lou Gehrig would pop up there, too, for sure. Babe Ruth. Um, Babe Ruth. Um, the, Muhammad uh, Ali. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Mm. All right. And like we said, even probably the guy who, who should win is Michael Jordan, just because I don't think anybody's ever.
1: Curly here. from the Harlem Globetrotters. That's a
2: <laughs> Curly. There you go.
0: There you go. But get this all those guys were nominated, and the award was won by a guy who, like many losers on this list, is a name that people are going to recognize, but they're not quite sure why. So, uh, as per the ABC Sports Poll, for the best athlete of the 20th century, is today's loser, Mr. Jim Thorpe.
1: Does he so. have a stupid Skyway named after him?
0: No. Um, but, uh, well, the title of this episode is I'm the World's Greatest Athlete, and all I got was this lousy town in PA. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> depressed town. <laughs> <laughs> but,. Uh, Here's a name for you. All right. Mark, what's your middle name? Anthony. I figured. Mark Anthony Riccadoni. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're all named Tony somewhere. (laughs) We can't really talk much. There's there's no middle name other than Patrick in our family. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a tough one (laughs) to get around. um, But get this one. Uh, So, baptized Jacobus Franciscus Thorpe in the Catholic Church. Jim Thorpe was born in what was known as uh, Indian Territory, Native American Territory, to be you know, politically correct, with a modern parlance dad. Uh, there's a that...
3: lot of stuff, though, as, a, as you should warn the listeners. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's politically incorrect during this episode because, unfortunately, the way history, the cards oh, yeah. History
0: was politically incorrect. <laughs> yes. so. And then also, not for nothing, there is that idea of, like, if you're progressive for your time 30 years from now, you're racist. So that's all I had. Like you could be you're like, no, you don't understand. That's how we talked in that day. And this was, I was giving people the respect they deserved and everything. You're like, no, you're using the term, blah, 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 whatever.
3: Well, let's be honest. So he had a Native American name. He was mm-hmm. born in what was called Indian country. But every you know race that was, by the way, uh, Oklahoma, Yeah, every racist uncle in the world's going to go, yeah, but he was a little Irish. He was part (laughs) Irish.
0: Well, that's why he wasn't tall. Um, (laughs) But, uh, no, it always made me laugh, too, because uh, in reading that, you do... He is what is considered, uh, first of all, his, his life is almost like a legend. There's no birth certificate for him. He is baptized, though. If it wasn't for the Catholic Church's record-keeping, we wouldn't really know when he was born. They estimate that he was born May 22, 1887.
2: Yeah, they they have the baptismal record, but they don't have the birth record. Right. So, so you just... Subtracting a couple of days yep. from the baptism, and so that's your birthday. It's kind of like how
0: the uh, that book, The Irish Saved Civilization, because the priests kept records. Right. You know what I mean. So the religions is the thing. You know, we didn't dissolve into uh, forgetting about you know the Roman Empire because of them.
3: This could be like the Dominican Republic in little league baseball. Though he might have got baptized at
0: eighteen, and that's why he was so. <laughs> baseball has been very, very good, very good to, to me.
4: You.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh no that's a great move too man and um well he he's remained Catholic his whole life too which I thought was interesting because Jim is uh like you were saying he is part Irish that's true but he is uh he's like a mutz mutt um he's dead. a perfect example of what America is he's a
3: little oh, totally. of everything but he's also a lot Native American
2: which totally. means yeah, he I think when you do the math he he athlete. works out to be like five eighths um Native American. And the yeah. rest is a mix of French, a little Irish, a little of this, a little of that. Pinch of salt, you know, a little shake of pepper and whatever. It's like our
0: boy the Kahuna. He's uh, a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? There's there's that panda bear meme, too, where it's like, uh, be like a panda. They're black, white, everybody loves him. <laughs> Kahuna's the Jim Thorpe
2: of sound. A...
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: But not just for one century, for all time. That's right, all time. (laughs) I hold
0: the record. Well, uh, get this his father was a mix and his mother was a mix, too. So when you get two mixes mixing together, you know, it's like, uh, you know, again, we're fractions here we're talking about. But Jim's dad was half Irish and half Native American. And his mother was half French and half Native American, okay? So that makes uh, Jim Irish, French, Sac and Fox Nation, and Potawatomi uh dad real quickly what obviously the, the potawatomi <laughs> there you go <laughs> i could tell i could tell you were poet tommy the second you walked in here look you know what it is poet tommy guys always wear their pants like that
2: I <laughs> <laughs> can see him from down the street so <laughs>
0: <laughs> picking right out of the crowd uh, no daughter of mine's dating a poet tommy you understand <laughs> you're gonna date a second fox nation kid all right it's a proud cherokee line in this family um <laughs> But not for nothing, Dad, there's a, a tribe name. Obviously, the, the uh is a very interesting name here. But there's a name that jumps out at you, the Sac and Fox Nation. What the hell is that?
2: Well, the, the, I mean, a lot of people today are th- I think well, there's Indians right, or Native Americans. But Native Americans were made up of many, many nations. And the Sac and the Fox Nations are two separate nations, but they were closely aligned in that they spoke – A very similar language which had an Algonquin base if you will Um, but they were always kind of lumped together and they were from the same general geographic area which is uh, around the Great Lakes, uh, Lake Huron and uh, uh, Mississippi the Upper Mississippi kind of a thing Um, and early on in the history which was interesting I found with, uh, with Jim Thorpe is that his heritage came from the Fox and the Sock and Fox Nations, and at one time they were even at at war with the United States. I mean, they were you know virtually now, knocked, Fox knocked Nation, out of the box. Fox Nation that comes on before Bill O'Reilly. Right? <laughs> there <That's> you <laughs> <what> go. <right? laughs> there right you now. go. Their, their news broadcast is somewhat slanted, but Ooh, uh, Britt McHenry. Sorry <laughs> about that, one. but not for nothing, Dad. The Sack and Fox Nation, um,
0: if. If this guy Jim Thorpe, as Mark pointed out, is being born in Oklahoma,
2: then why is a tribe known for being in the Great Lakes area out in Oklahoma? Well, it's just because the United States government found a, a better place for them to uh, to reside. In other words, they were forced off their ancestral lands and put onto what became known as Indian Territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was that was the eventual landing spot for the uh and, and fox nation uh, oklahoma but that was after a number of different you know oh we're going to move you over here and we promise we'll never take this away from you again and
3: didn't a war just end I'm so, i might just be making this up in my <laughs> head but didn't a war just end right before this happened that was with the native americans
0: well there, there's a whole point you're because you're absolutely right and it comes in later my father actually has a, we're, we're going to save that one weird snippet for okay. the the timeline of something because you want to talk about um like we don't have any um my whole connection growing up as a kid to the native american culture was largely through um
3: high school mascots a
0: lot of it was that <laughs> a lot of it was that for sure um, but you don't think twice about it. And then um, a lot of that comes in from here, by the way, which is a, another weird asset of the story. But um, growing up, we had a reverence for it because my father had a reverence for it growing up. So I was always fascinated by uh, – I, I read a lot of uh, James Fenimore Cooper, of course, the great illustrated classics versions, the, you know, abridged for, <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> for right. my dumb eyes. Got to have pictures. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a whole last of the movie. thing. it rhyme, there was, Oh, it was uh, – no, they, it's very hard to rhyme things with Chinach Cook. Um, but, no, yeah.
1: Eminem can do it. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say,
0: give it to a third grader; they'll figure it That's out. A... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to you have to rhyme with Chinatco, but then you also can't curse. It's supposed to be read by children. <laughs> but um, no, so there was always that that reverence that we have with uh, the Native Americans there, and it's um, it is weird because uh, there's the time in our country. You, I think of Native Americans, I go back into the past. You know what I mean? Because we're in New Jersey, there's no real connection to it. Um. The people growing up in this time frame of the story, they're all deeply connected to it. We're not far removed from, as we're going to discuss, some of the, the very tragic events <laughs> towards the end of the, the taming of the American West, if you will. But uh, it's a. Uh, remind us of that point here in a okay. second, because
2: you're going to like where we wind up going with that one. Um, Just a little side tidbit that I uh, came across too that um, the SAC and, and Fox Nation had their big moment, if you will, with the, the Black Hawk War. Black Hawk was. Uh, a Native American uh, chief that went to war with the United States. Um, I, I think they were kind of aligned with the British at the time, so when the whole North American continent was being fought over by by Europe, <laughs> European nations and the United States, uh, this chief Blackhawk was uh, large and in charge with, with that particular thing. And, and President Abraham Lincoln got his very... Um, minor military experience as part of the militia that was raised to fight against uh, Blackhawk. Um, so that was his sole uh, military experience, if you will, as a militiaman, but he was also part of uh, burial details and that kind of stuff. He never really saw a battle, but he was involved with a lot of the aftermath, and you got to wonder if that didn't change the guy, too. The uh, um, with some of his um, programs for the uh, Native Americans and as well as for for the Blacks, as far as you know, everybody being equal and the whole his attitude towards war. If you're a part of the burial detail, the, um, you can see what that might change a person. Right?
0: Yeah, that's not a that's not a sought after detail. Yeah, I don't right. Think. Right. Um, by the way, Thorpe's native name. So again, he was uh, Jacobus Franciscus Thorpe on the Roman Catholic side.
2: Now, when you're Roman Catholic
1: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I heard it when you first said it and I was yeah. like resist, resist, a- <laughs> resist. Okay.
2: Yeah, now and, and Thorpe had um ancestral uh lineage to uh, Chief Blackhawk. So I mean he was uh he's from a, a proud part of the of that whole nation, so
0: it's true, and now uh, so he's got that long name for the Roman Catholic. now then when you're Roman Catholic you get a confirmation name, is that correct? Yep. Okay. Now Mark, what was your confirmation name? Uh Carlo. <laughs>
3: I wasn't after a saint. I was after my grandfather and the priest let it go because... He knows my grandmother.
0: Uh, <laughs> so he didn't want no problems. I just pictured you had uh, uh, orange sunglasses on when you were getting your confirmation. Like, Carlo. Were are you, you there? You... <laughs> White suit. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarette extender. It's either Carlo or the chicken man. You tell me what it's going to be. <laughs> so, and uh, Lawrence Patrick, uh, yours was Tina, you said, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: What was do. yours then? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, Ike and Tina. No, no. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, John. So John. really, really went out there, you know. Oof, yeah. So, so <laughs> Mine was Big Completely unusual. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> big Bird. Um,
0: well, now, so Thorpe's got all that nonsense going on. And then also he has a native name, because even though the Native American ancestry is both on um, his uh, um, uh, – it's it's not his father's, you know, religion, if you will, because both his parents are Catholic. Um, but uh, on, obviously, the native sides, the tradition still has to live. So Thorpe's native name was – and I'm going to screw this up uh, – Anyone who speaks Sack and Fox Nation, who, by the way, spoke Algonquin, I found out, which I thought was interesting. Right. Algonquins were like the, uh, the, the Anglo-Saxons of uh, the Native American tribes. They're very, very sophisticated crew. <laughs> um, Wathohuk, which uh, loosely translate to Kahuna, just do it. no it means a bright path
3: oh i what i looked when i was doing some research it it said it translated to light after the storm or light after After the the lightning lightning. yeah Yeah.
0: well we were talking about this too because the the problem is is that you're taking a language that is not um like because english is one of the romance languages right so they're all There's uh, uh, there's certain things they're going to be familiar with, uh, from French to Spanish, and then Spanish to Italian, and all those. These languages are playing by a. This is a Tower of Babel type situation here. We're trying to say what the Sack and Fox Nation is interpreting the Algonquin language to be then it reiterated to us in English that we have something to call it. So we probably screwed up a lot of it. it. (laughs) And it
2: might have gone through uh, the French, too, because it was the French explorers who really first came upon the Fox and Saxon Nation. So Mm -hmm. we taking taken a a French interpretation of the Algonquin language and then re-translating that from the French to the English. It's kind of like locally here in Jersey, it was a Lenape. And a lot of the Lenape language was first interpreted by uh, Dutch and German. So there's a lot of oh boy. guttural pronunciations. <laughs> Cross from, from, contamination. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That's
0: so. a good way to word it, too. It's like the
2: world's worst game of telephone. Right. Um, <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> my now, God. You go. That's that's better. That's
1: that's 100% better. Well,
2: but the, uh, just having these two names, too, I think it's an interesting point, too, because at that time period, it was. Uh, the native americans were kind of being forced to become into white society if you will Mm -hmm. um so although roman catholicism might have been their declared religion they were still holding on to some of their ancestral uh, beliefs. Oh, and, totally. And you're going to go to church outside. and you're going to like it. Right. <laughs> right. And we'll we'll talk about more of that down the road, too. It's not just church or their religion. But
0: oh, it gets involved, man. Yeah. Now, Mark, you were right, too, by the way. That whole the sack and fox tradition uh, dictates naming the child after an event that happened near its birth. So meaning that I'm an adopted kid, so my sack and fox name would be like, oh, shit, I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> um what would your real quick? What would your kids? Uh, Cause you got you got two great kids, man. What would your kids, uh, Sack and Fox, names be? <laughs> the older one would be. Uh, should we
3: listen to Cat Stevens when we go in? <laughs> <laughs> And the younger one would be, oops. <laughs> <laughs> well
4: played.
0: Well, played. well uh, now, despite these native traditions that are being observed in Thorpe's life, like my dad was saying, now both of his parents are Roman Catholic, like we said. He's going to maintain that uh, re- that faith throughout his life, if you will. However, Thorpe attends an Indian agency school with his twin brother, Charlie, until his brother uh, sadly dies of pneumonia at age nine. Uh, Dad, what are Indian agency schools, and do they sound like as much fun as they seem?
2: Yeah, it was pretty much forced uh, forced education in the white man's ways. That uh, little kids, as early as five and six year olds, would be um, deprogram sh- uh, de- them, de- pro- right? To take, wipe out whatever their Indian culture or their Native American culture might be, and we're going to teach you the ways of the white man that we can better assimilate you into modern society, and you know everything. That you might have picked up from your ancestors or grandparents or parents. That they're
1: that's, also taking them away from the parents, or yeah, like? they're, they're it's, oh it's, wow. a it's a
2: boarding school. It's a boarding school. It's not to sever a
0: connection. It's to um, to reinforce the teachings of the, the the school, kind of a thing. Okay. So now there's stricter ones and there's less strict ones. So, um, but uh, real quick, I just want to just frame this one part up here. So he gets uh, he actually runs away from school several times. Then he gets sent to a, a full-on boarding school by his father, and his mother passes away. Um, she passes away. Uh, that there's going to be a younger sibling, and she passes away from complications due to childbirth. From that, so now Jim just lost his uh, his brother, his twin brother. Not for nothing. And then his uh, his it's mother's like gone. an Elvis situation
3: too. Like he holds on to it his whole life, and
0: oh, it's uh, his brother. Yeah, because his brother's the one who was helping him in school. His brother was sharp, and Jim, uh, by all accounts, was not. A sharp guy. We're going to show what his skill set was later, but he was not a sharp guy, and then he was also very shy and kind of did not enjoy the spotlight. So we're talking about a guy who goes on to be the greatest, because there's an arrogance that comes with being an athlete in the, the modern day and age, but uh there's also they like they did not get it from jim thorne yeah it's the, the opposite it's almost right. like an eli manning thing where it's like okay so you know i understand you guys are all chanting my name right now and that's very nice of you but i really just want to go home
3: there was a, <laughs> a, a somebody went to uh, school with that was saying uh his big fear was embarrassing other people because he was so superior to the other athletes that he would actually slow down sometimes to not beat him so badly. Which, <laughs> right.
0: Which you've done that before, too, because I've seen you, because Mark's a very talented comic, and there's a lot of times where he'll he'll sit there and be like, you know what, I'm not going to go as hard as I can tonight because Ken Krantz is on the lineup and I don't want him to kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It takes pity on... The, Our buddy Ken Krantz. On one the of the funniest underlings. joke writers around, but nobody is more fun to punch in the stomach than <laughs> Ken Krantz. So, um, now, by the way... Uh, uh, His relationship with his father actually starts to deteriorate because he gets super depressed after his mom dies. Why wouldn't you? I totally get that. Um, Jim runs off to work on a horse ranch, and he's uh, age 16 at the time. So this is a wild kid here. Um, But in 1904, he returns to uh, his father, and the two agree that Jim is now going to attend the uh, prestigious Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania. So. Yeah, I've been to Carlisle, Pennsylvania. No shit. What's it like? Out Hasn't there? changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, if you want to talk about a tough school, because you were saying taking the kids away from the parents, Kahuna. Not only are you getting a boarding school now, it's run by a general.
3: All right. And oh. it was described as prison cells.
2: <sighs> yeah, it was. Um, it was a, a total mind erase of all things Native American.
0: Did you get the, the motto like
2: that? So now you're taking. You're taking kids. And again, even uh, with this, the, the big thing about the Carlisle School was that it was the first um, Indian school off the reservation. And it wasn't funded by um, the Indian uh, Affairs or anything. It was uh, it was federally federally funded. And but it was a the way was, from Oklahoma now. too. And it was previously sure. uh, an army camp. I mean, the, the oh, wow. school was originally set up in a barracks. Very much. And it was set up uh, by a guy, uh, Army Lieutenant Richard Henry Pratt. So Pratt <laughs> was the guy that was, you know.
1: They were just like, ah, oh, the kids are coming. We'll keep it. It's fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's, um, it's to the times, you know, we're not too far away from uh, the attitude that the only good Indian was a dead Indian. Uh, like you and, said earlier. And, and, and or, nits make lice kind of a thing. So, you know, when in doubt, kill them all type of a thing. We because... have ways to make you white. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, to
0: <laughs> and to that. I mean, Good God. Uh, <laughs> Let's picture them slapping hot sauce out of their hands all the time. Stop, stop it. <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, too
2: spicy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when they went away to these boarding schools, or at least to the Carlisle School, um, your your hair was cut which to the native americans you, you're not you're not cutting the hair i mean that was that, that was, was the sign of man right. Right. That he was, hits that my was hair right. Right. you know <laughs>
3: yeah. it's Don't i gave a lot of compliments hair. on my hair it's, i spent a lot of time on this um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but anything that was remotely native american was uh to be eradicated um
0: did you get the th- motto of that school day? i think i re- uh, if this is correct
3: hit me uh Kill the Indian, save the man. Yep. Yeah. That is That's General it.
0: Pratt's idea. We have to kill these Indians so that we. can – Now, not for another That is exactly what uh, like killed their spirit. my my chief in a, a Navy boot camp, Craig Plummer, who I'm, I'm I'm very happy to still be good friends with, um, and I got to to see him and perform. Uh, he was in the crowd uh, down at uh, Side Splitters with me, and it was wild because he's telling me, he "Goes, you understand?" He goes. But I'm a really nice guy. He goes, but I can't be nice to you in boot camp because we got to grow you kids up quick. Otherwise, when you get to the fleet, you'll die. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's, right. that's correct. Yeah, that's why you got to be a hard ass with this. Right. But so Pratt, in his mind, it sounds like it's totally brutal. And that's the exact quote, by the way, Mark. You nailed it. Um, mm. But yeah, so it, it sounds evil. But in his mind, he's like, this is the only way these kids are going to have any chance at a life. That's Because Otherwise, they're running around in hide skins and the Indian Territory is dwindling. And I can tell you now, uh, if you stayed on the reservations, not exactly a great place to be. There's not a
2: whole lot of uh, advancement uh, when you're living on the reservation.
0: Yeah, it's depressing Um, out there. It's like Ken Krantz's comedy calendar.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. You guys keep throwing personal barbs out there. I don't know. (laughs) Can't it's we all just get along?
1: According <laughs> like, to history, him. no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if, if you think like times are harsh now, though, imagine being a Native American walking through a city. They they really wouldn't care if you took a shot at them.
0: You know it was. And, and it's weird too because there's a disconnect where out in Oklahoma, there's a, and, and my father had to point this out to me one time. My fascination with the Native Americans is because I never grew up afraid of them. Now, imagine you are out in Oklahoma, and there's still the theory that, you know, uh, renegade Indians could come in, break in at night, and you could have, you know, they stole your sister, and uh, you got to go on a a cross-country journey to try to find her now, like John Wayne and the Searchers. But... um, my fascination with them is because I never feared them, because growing up in New Jersey, it was pretty much all settled at that point. They were pushed far. They were on the other side of the Mississippi, mostly, by that point. And it was the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: so,
0: uh, but not for nothing, like, around this time frame, out uh, in Pennsylvania, there's got to be more of a curiosity about the natives than there is of that sense of a, a threat there, too. So there's almost a um, – it's almost like a, a, a freak show element,
2: maybe, a little bit, Dad? Yeah, there was, was, was a – um, yeah, I guess a freak show would be one way of, of describing it too. But and and the whole uh, social standing, if you will. I mean, Indian is below black. I mean, you're that in the pecking order of things. That you're it's, almost it's, animal. It, yeah, it's the dirty redskin. They're lazy. They're drunks. Uh, you know, they're stupid. Uh, there's there's all different kind of classifications put into that. Because there's a, a total cultural clash here that nobody, you know, the white society doesn't want to understand the mm-hmm. native uh, ways. Um, we, we beat those guys. We defeated those guys. We, you know, now that we put them on reservations, now it's good to go for the rest of white society to um, build this nation into bigger and better than uh-huh.
3: And I guess at the Carlisle
2: School one of their big
3: things was is having them assimilate to live with a you're white right. family. So you're it was almost like yes. having a pet Native American. <laughs> like that's how they treated it. Uh, like, was
0: it the, the redheaded cousin's
2: name on uh, This the is the red bunch? skinned cousin.
0: Red skinned cousin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There uh, you go. We're getting uh, a Yeah, but you're right, that, Mark. We're... I mean that whole school the philosophy was not only to educate um but also to then teach them a trade or a skill that they could go out into white society and earn a living Um, and they had programs where the kids were uh, shipped out for like summer work and that type of a thing um, with uh, neighboring farms or whatever and then I I do have a a Jersey connection there somewhere along the way we'll get get to that. You flagged me down when you hit that one I did not get one here
0: but despite all this bad shit over at the Carlisle Indian School. Um, it winds up becoming the, one of the more positive influences on Jim Thorpe's life, because get this. He winds up catching the eye uh, of a man who was creating a premier football club over at Carlisle. Um, it's where his athletic abilities began to get noticed. Your kids, uh, no, your kids aren't old enough to play football yet, right, Mark? Not yet. Okay. Now, when they do, is there, uh, is there a name of a program or something like that they might get involved oh, in? Oh, Pop Warner. You know it. Pop <laughs> Warner himself is coaching over here and putting together this Premier Football League over at the Carlisle Indian School. Warner is a legend in the game by the way. Coons, I know you're not a big football guy, right? No,
1: yeah, I was sitting here like Pop Warner is actually the name of a person. Yep, actually I actually played, played Pop
0: Warner
3: football. Jim Thorpe <laughs> played for pop warner yeah that's a,
0: <laughs> well I, I was saying too because you're the only one who played any um uh you played in high school and college yeah, too i remember? ended up not playing i was
3: in gonna college. say i think you went to like a, to.
0: A, went to a dramatic art school in college so they didn't have a football a, team horrible football team <laughs> a lot of cheerleaders
3: though.
0: A, <laughs> <laughs> well pop warner uh, what a legend in the game his name people just is synonymous with football but then also i didn't realize this, he created not only the three-point stance so the actual three-point stance in football that, you know, is pretty much the the, the ebb and flow Go-to. of the entire game. He also created the shotgun formation. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that one either. So every time Peyton Manning, uh, at pretty much 90% of Peyton Manning's touchdown, uh, touchdowns came from uh, the shotgun formation, I think somebody told me. <laughs> so, But he noticed right away, this Pop Warner fella, that uh, Jim uh, has got a little athletic ability to him, Mark. Spend a little time coaching him. All right. uh, But Jim's tragedies are continuing to mount. He now finds himself completely orphaned. His father passes away from a hunting accident.
2: Okay. While he's at Carlisle. While he's at Carlisle. So his his mother only died uh, a couple of years before that. So he is now, he's an orphan.
0: Jim's got a little bit of nothing.
2: Yeah. His twin brother dies at the age of eight or nine. And then his mother died Shortly after that, with childbirth count. So another right. sibling presumably I'm, would have been right. on the way. Now, I'm
1: sensing a superhero origin
0: story here, man. It's not far off, dude. Yeah, it really we got isn't.
1: Nick Fury. We got Pop. We got Pop Warner and Nick Fury over here recruiting for the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. I here to talk to you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Never mind <it>, a <laughs> oh, superhero really or anything, right? Yeah, here. no. Pop Warner's not in a wheelchair just yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: uh, hey, Pop that's Warner good. was something special too, though. I mean, he's a he's a Hall of fame Talk to me. Yeah, well, he's a Hall of Famer. Like you said, he, he was, he was uh, originally developed the single and double wing, uh, the spread and the shotgun formation, the three-point stance, uh, body blocking, uh, trap run, the bootleg. The naked reverse, the screen pass. He was the first guy to really came up with the team to go into a huddle before the next play. That's all. He's pop- kind of the godfather That's, of football. Really. Yeah, really. Essentially, yeah. really. You know, uh, I'm
1: not gonna lie. I looked up his name, and I was expecting like just some eccentric dude with like a crazy looking mustache. No. My expectations have been lowered. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. But he I, looks
2: like a football coach. He, yeah, yeah exactly. Really like,
1: he sets the yeah. stereotype. Right, I'm right. just
3: like, wait,
2: no. Squared jaw, and he's... Box he's, Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's all about it. You know, he does kind of look like a, a
3: Flintstone. He might have a, a tie on, but you know he has those nut-hugger pants
2: on underneath. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't wrong. <laughs> and just just for rounding out, he was also involved with the uh, the spiral pass and the spiral punt. So, I mean, he he developed a few uh, new things to the whole game of football. And, and back then, too, now, football is really in he its knew. infancy. And it was started at the collegiate level, um, really, before the pros got It was much bigger at the collegiate level than it was. Uh, uh, it was very
0: pro football big. didn't take off, oddly enough, until... Um, the greatest game ever played. Right. You know who played in that game, Mark? I do not. The greatest game ever played was uh, ba- I, I was going to tell you it was Brookfield
3: High School, <laughs> champion <laughs> high school, but it wasn't. But you guys, you know, <laughs> might not have been there.
0: It was. Uh, this is why I know this one is because uh, the greatest game ever played was the, the first game that uh, caught on a pro level that caught the the nation's okay. attention because uh, college was way more popular. But it was the Baltimore Colts. Uh, versus the New York football Giants, Dad. Oh All right, boy. 1925, Giants way, new head coach. This episode, by the way, uh, Mark, just to let you know, we uh, once we realize the tie-in with Pop Warner and a couple of the other wild stories about Thorpe we're about to get to, that's why this episode is coming out uh, the week of the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah so we're going to sit on this one for two weeks here. And uh, the reason I'm a guest... I was born in Canton, Ohio,
3: which is where the Hall of Fame is, which is I why you were born in Canton, know, yeah, which is why I know who Jim
0: Thorpe is because he's everywhere. I'll delete there. this part of yeah. the episode. You're supposed to know, No. because <laughs> we always call him the Prince of Youngstown. <laughs> we moved when I was in junior high. <laughs> there you go.
2: But uh, so you could play in that world famous football game. <laughs> yeah, as a high school yeah, kid. I had <laughs> to be in the greatest game played. Had to call you in. <laughs> Do you have anything
0: else I pop Warner before
2: we move on, sir? Uh, well, I'll have a little something for him later on. Maybe. But Pop Warner, he doesn't go away. He's still in the story. Yeah, for a he, while. he and he coached more than just at the Carlisle Indian School. He was all over and all mm-hmm. the all the big names. Um,
1: I do have a question though. With um, the way that you've been talking about Jim, though, building up, like, is he just? A football? Like, does he just play football? Because you oh. said he athlete. He doesn't play anything
0: yet. He doesn't play anything yeah,
1: yet. Yeah, he,
2: he's just getting noticed. Oh,
1: uh, okay. This is like yeah, a he, standout a, in
2: gym class kind of he's thing. Discovered, he's discovered while at the Carlisle uh, uh, okay. Indian School.
0: So I'll tell you what, if you're okay with it, LP, and you yeah. you reel me back in if you need to, but I want to yep. hit, while we have Kahuna peaked right now with okay. his attention here, because... Um, not that you tune out, but it did make me laugh, by the way. He brought up uh, Pop Warner to look at a picture of him. If you guys saw his previous Google search, it was Fox
2: and Socks.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> every time you said it, I was just like, "Can I make? should I make a
2: joke out of it?" No. He's trying to make a, a little hand puppet out of it's his a... sock.
1: <laughs> I was like, the Dr. Seuss Nation. No, it's shut up, that... Christian. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: <it's> a... <laughs> um, but I, I thought, we're just going to give him the, the superhero moment here to set this thing up. So, um. He was bit by a radioactive spike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was kicked in the face by a radioactive uh, football.
0: That's a. Uh, now, imagine. Imagine that one, man. Ugh, dude. But he winds up catching the eye of Pop Warner, like we said. Now, uh, And he's orphaned here. Things are bad right now. It's a sad time to be Jim Thorpe. Um. Except, uh, This is the part where the story starts to read less like history and more like a, uh, an Avengers movie, as Kahuna said. Mm hmm. Uh. Cahoon's in 1907, after returning to Carlisle. Jim walked past the high school jump. Uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the school high jumpers. Okay. Yeah, the track team is out yeah, practicing. Yeah, track team's out practicing. Jim Thorpe walks around and hits an impromptu five foot nine inch jump. How tall are you, Kahuna? I'm I'm six four. You're six four. I am i am 6 you are nine. Realize that this guy just walked up and just did. He could clear my head. The kids on the track team
3: couldn't make the jump, and he just kind of went over and that looks gave them like a fun free lesson. Yeah, for he's, him. <laughs>
2: he's walking by and he's watching these guys at practice in his dress shoes, and then they yep. kind of oh, you want to give it a try? So he's he's in street clothes, in without street any clothes, <laughs> in street clothes,
1: Gigantor. without uh, <laughs> without
2: warm ups or anything else, and just just you know runs up and, and clears it. You picture the how million dollar he? man sound while he's coming through here. Uh, how tall is he? Varying reports, but I'm I'm putting it at about uh, 6'1 six oh, one and wow. about uh, hundred and ninety five. Um but the, I complain when I have to go to the basement to get the laundry
3: and I'm wearing jeans. This guy <laughs> in full dress
2: cl- gear. Yeah.
3: <laughs> School uh, clothes.
2: Street clothes and he's, he's clearing it. So but, he's, uh, now with the, ease. Huh? With ease he's doing yeah, this. Yeah, with ease, without even, without even trying hard. And then um, the next day, uh, Jim Thorpe is uh, called into Coach Warner, Pop Warner's office. And he's thinking, "Oh shit, I'm in trouble," because yeah, listen, I, I, I was just... interrupting the, the and, Oh, uh, Pop Warner is also the football coach, but he's also the track coach as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously the, the kids the, coach. the, the, the kids the that sc- were practicing um, let pop let the coach know that hey, we <laughs> this this kid just cleared five nine, so he's called into uh, Pop Warner's office and. Initially, Jim Thorpe is thinking, oh, shit, I'm in trouble because I was interrupting his practice. practice. And, and Pop Warner was pretty much an authoritarian that uh, you, know, you were going to do it his way. You got called down to his office. Right. You're screwed. Uh, so if you're called into the office, you're, you're on the carpet. You're, you're, you're screwed. But um, Pop Warner lets him know that uh, you just broke the school record yesterday at 5'9".
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Thorpe was such a, a bashful guy, he goes,
2: I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm sorry. Right. What do I do? Right. But So So with that he's he is immediately put on the Carlisle Indian School track team and starts breaking all kinds of records. Um
0: well not just track too. He's
2: yeah, but and then from the well, track, he, track, he starts it. He starts with track, and he, he's a, like a superstar <laughs> in track, winning all kinds of uh, medals at all, and various competitions with other schools. And then he comes out for the football team initially. And Pop ju- didn't want him to play. Right? Yeah, and Pop didn't want him to play football because he was afraid that he was going to get hurt. And, and, and ruin his uh, track career. Got to get hit to get hurt, coach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. but then uh, just constantly um, being in, in, in pop. Come on, let me try this, let me try that. He starts, I think, as a kicker. And he at that time, you could drop kick... Um, um, for a uh, a, th- a three-pointer, right? Correct. For a field goal, you could drop kick the ball for a field goal. So he's he's drop kicking uh, 50-yard um, field goal. which is impressive now. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, right, right. I mean, I, I read reports where he would come out like before games and stand at the 50-yard line and drop kick one over the one end zone and then turn around and face the other way and drop kick one over the <laughs> other intimidation move <laughs> right right the, uh, uh, b- now before we go full on into his football <coughs> stuff because the football
0: stuff's amazing but I do want to make sure that we get this one weird little asterisk on his career um you played football in high school, right, Mark? Any other yes, sports?
3: I wrestled and played baseball. I wrestled and I played lacrosse. Off the baseball team.
0: That's <laughs> steroids. Oh uh, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's it. Yes, yes. A, it had here. nothing to do with me having walkie talkies in the outfield. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's <laughs> you, weren't, well, you weren't stealing signs back in the day? Another, oh, no, that was on the football team. Uh,
0: <laughs> another episode of American Loser will be coming your way to cover that one soon. Uh, but Thorpe's athletic career is taking off here. Uh, he soon dominates on campus in track, baseball, football, lacrosse, and ballroom dancing. Yes. yes. He literally wins the intercollegiate championship in 1912. You know? he, we had a kid like this in high school,
3: my buddy Steve Wiley who colleges were looking at at every sport he played. He was a world amazing pitcher he was our he was our kicker and our linebacker Jesus. and he was a killer and he also was a really great wrestler that colleges were looking up for that he was like our Jim Thorpe he was like a man playing
0: with children yeah. <laughs> it, it really does start yeah. to feel that way Now, what would you have for the, the football because his football career is insane. The the, because in here we're talking about playing multiple positions. That
2: yeah, absolutely. And and again to put the listeners in the proper mindset, this is early football where you're not you didn't have squads, you didn't have offense defense. You had in in 1911 and 1912 the Carlisle football team consisted of 11 or 12 guys. Mm -hmm. So you had 11 or 12 guys out on the field that were playing both ways. Right, Um, they were playing offense and defense. And they were they were killing it, and they weren't just taking on any slouch teams. They were taking on some major competition, like West Point. Um I've got the list here so Do you have a,
0: the list of positions he played, too? I thought that was kind of worth noting.
2: Uh, pretty much everything. It was kind of like that uh, Warner Brothers cartoon with Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny first base, Bugs Bunny second base, Bugs Bunny... <laughs> running Bugs back, Bugs Bunny Jim Bunny Thorpe.
0: Defensive <laughs> back, Jim Thorpe. Place kicker, Jim Thorpe. And punt by Jim Thorpe. Thorpe. You go? He would score every point Yes. made on the, in the game. Because if he scored the touchdown, he would then kick the point after. Or if they settle for a field goal, guess who's kicking the field goal? <laughs> uh, there was one... Um, in, in that one season where the team finished 11-1, and 1, Thorpe is estimated uh, to have scored. And, and this is uh, this is uh, from a correction because there were other, like, original stats weren't kept uh, as well as they could have been back then. Thorpe is estimated to have scored uh, 224 points and 27 touchdowns for his team. Yeah. Jeez. Okay.
2: Yeah. The four seasons that Thorpe uh, played for the Carlisle Indians uh, was there. That was their mascot. Mm-hmm. Who figured, right? <laughs> the Carl <laughs> Indian school was taking on the Indians. They were going to be the Vikings, right. but they had a problem with it. <laughs> they won, uh, in the four years, they won 43 games, lost five, and tied two. And the first seven games of 1912, which was uh, Jim Thorpe's final year, Carlisle outscored its opponents 272 to 15. Oh, wow. <laughs> they crushed. They cried. And they weren't playing... Um, you know any uh, slouch schedules either? They were playing Army, Penn, Harvard, this Syracuse. is back when
0: Harvard was good. Harvard had one of the first programs
2: early on, right? Yeah. Um, Syracuse, Pitt, Minnesota, Nebraska, um, and most of their games was played on the road because the Carlisle Indian School Stadium couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't handle the the crowds. So I mean they were they were making a big national splash in all the all the media, and
0: they were called the Indians, because it was to play up the savagery that your the hometown boys are going to defend us from an Indian attack, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now, not from that, that team did finish 11 and 1, like you said, Dad. And um, now in this game again, they, they beat Harvard that year, which is like unheard of at the time, right? Yeah.
2: That was that was huge. That was huge.
0: The, the one I want to talk about is the game against Army.
2: Yeah, well, they they scored one of the biggest upsets, if you will, um, with Harvard, but then they went on to uh, um, and the the upset with Harvard was like eighteen to fifteen upset before twenty five thousand people in in oh Cambridge. God, so man. that was that was big deal. that was huge for nineteen twelve. Um, but now they're going to go against um, Army, right? West Point. And before the uh, the Army game, again going back to Pop Warner, I, I found this and I thought this was pretty incredible too that. On November 9th, uh, Carlisle was to meet the U.S. Military Academy in a game at West Point. So, again, it, they're on the road. Right? Uh, between the, They were now considered the two top teams in the country, um, Army and, and uh, the Carlisle Indians. And uh, Pop Warner spoke to the team before the game, and I have a quote. Um, your fathers and your grandfathers, Warner began, are the ones who fought their fathers These men playing against you today are soldiers. They are the long knives. You are Indians. Tonight, we will know if you are warriors. That dramatic evening, Carlisle routed Army 27-6. That game played just 22 years after the last Army battle with the Lakota Sioux at Wounded Knee. Oh, my God. So, whew, I you don't got know these... about you, KP.
0: I'm ready to go play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these. Uh... Yeah, uh, remember the Titans can wipe their ass with that speech. <laughs> <laughs> these <laughs> college,
2: college-age Indian kids, it's now only 22 years since the Army was slaughtering people at Wounded Knee but now you know hey it's 11 so, guys yeah, on a field and 11 guys yeah, yeah, their and, parents yeah their really. parents that's and grandparents within
0: the lifetimes of uh, a lot of the people who are in attendance at the game now so a simulated version of, it's almost like uh, in gladiator when they had the gladiators acting out the the great battles from rome's history but a little bit more civil of a version of that
3: well it's uh, if we played iraq and soccer that's <laughs> <a> <laughs> yeah. i can't wait
2: um, <laughs> or the miracle on ice when we played the the Soviets at, yep. uh, in the Olympics,
0: which right? uh, it, we always say on the show, uh, don't fuck with T.R. But uh, if uh,
2: the Russians learned anything, it's don't fuck with Kurt Russell. Yeah, this <laughs> is <laughs> right. <here. laughs> this is right in T.R.'s um, time frame, too, because oh, yeah. he was asked as, as president to um, let's start setting some rules for some of these collegiate football games because people were getting killed in, in college football. I wonder if he flipped the coin. A <laughs> TR's out there to flip the coin before the game. Well, well he had toys. his, because
0: remember the Native American Chiefs actually marched down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue uh, for his uh, inauguration. There was the four Chiefs were coming in for TR's uh, inauguration, and Geronimo was one of them, and then Geronimo was, uh, uh, he thought he was going to finally get a chance to plead his case to TR, and he goes, you were bad Indians. You killed many white men. <laughs> But a uh, little side note we just have to hit here before we move on from this, this ridiculous game against the Army. In this game, uh, Jim Thorpe ran for a 92-yard touchdown. One play, 92-yard touchdown. All right? That's incredible by today's standards. And who is on the defense on that? Well, get, get, before we even hit to that one, Mark, because I'm going to let you say who it is because it's exciting. But that 92-yard touchdown is negated by a penalty by his teammate. All right? So what does Jim Thorpe turn around and do? Next play, he runs for a 97-yard touchdown. <laughs> okay, so I'll take that five-yard penalty you just hit me with, and I'll do it again, ram it right down your throat. And Mark Riccadonna, what, what future president of the United States is trying to play defense against this guy?
3: Mr. Eisenhower.
0: President Dwight D. Eisenhower. And uh, he literally recalled it years later. He goes, like you said, Mark, it was uh, he, the way that Eisenhower talked about him, it was uh, a, a, a man playing with children. You know, God was on the field that day or the great Larry Bird quote about Michael Jordan. That's not Michael Jordan. That's God disguised as Michael Jordan. <laughs> so. But uh, 1912
2: is a wild, wild place in the world, Dad. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I mean, 1912, uh, again, to put the listeners in, the, in that right uh, mindset, uh, 1912, that's the year that the Titanic sank. Right? Uh, Taft is your president um New Mexico uh becomes the 47th state. So a lot of these Indian territories aren't even states yet. Um uh, New Mexico, Arizona, I think was before Hawaii and Alaska. So even Arizona, Oklahoma uh became a state uh, right around that same time period. Not, Oklahoma became a state in 1907. So we're 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 within you know, within a 10- uh, or a decade uh, time period, um, one of our previous episodes was uh, Pancho Villa. Pancho is riding around uh, <laughs> the southwest causing all kinds of problems. We got Blackjack Persian going into Mexico to hunt down um, um, Pancho Villa. So, you know, it's uh, a wild and woolly kind of a thing. Um, the first train... You think about this. So we yeah. traveling getting ready to go to Florida. The first train arrives in Key West, Florida in, uh, in 1912. And so Joe I mean, <laughs> Conti was on it. <laughs> <you go>. no. <laughs> um, in 1912, as I say, Taft is the president. But we got a, a minor Jersey tie in here, though, because uh, in the summer of that, of 1912, um, Woodrow Wilson, our, who was at the time the New Jersey governor, is uh, nominated uh to run for run for president for his party so uh these are wild and woolly times this is right before world war one uh starts and world war one starts in 1914 we're talking 1912 so things are getting you know starting to starting to boil in uh, in europe With now,
0: now i'm going to quiz you real quick
2: okay LP to see if you remember this one uh. let's see
0: if he remembers this piece of trivia. and if any of you guys know it too please hop in but um you want to take a guess when Woodrow Wilson is going to be made president. You want to guess who his uh, um, secretary of state was? I'm mm.
3: going
0: to say TR just because we're talking no. about him. No, no, uh, was TR's uh, nemesis guess. of sorts, oh. uh, William Jennings Bryan. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Another yeah. So, and we're
3: yeah. only seven years away from Shoeless Joe Jackson getting in tr-
0: big, Also big true. trouble. He comes into play a little bit later because his team, he's not on the team yet. I checked the rosters last night. I was really hoping for that tie-in. I'm not going to lie. But... Um, the 1912 world is pretty odd on that one. Now, LP, were you finished on that? One? I don't want to cut no, you off. No, that's good. That's you know. I'm just trying to very passive aggressive there. I'm sorry so, I cut so you I'm off. Not, so just 1912
1: to... was just the epicenter of lo- of loserception, kind of. It is. Wait
0: you see
3: some of the other shit we found. <laughs> this is the Magnolia moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Quality reference. Um, yeah, 1912 world is a wild, wild place. Uh, Thorpe loves football, but he's focusing his efforts on preparing for a thing. Uh, now, a year before this, he didn't understand what they were, um, but Pop Warner tells him about these, uh, this series of games and events set up by the
2: Greeks many centuries ago called what, Dad? The Olympics. I mean, he, Jim Thorpe had no idea what the Olympics were It wasn't until it was explained to him by Pop Warner. And Pop Warner tells him, well, it's, all these countries around the world are sending their best athletes to compete in Sweden. And Thorpe is like, oh, shit, if we're putting the best against the best, I mean, that was his great opportunity to um, prove himself not only for his own personal thing, but to prove his... uh, his Indian uh, heritage, yeah. if you will. Now, he or was not Native a simple American. man. I keep saying Native American, <laughs> okay. but We're at the time, of the time yeah, you're, yeah. you're an Indian. Yeah. You're not a Native American. That yeah. wasn't politically correct. Actual in political Indians era. are still in India at this time. Right. So we
0: didn't have to have right. the, uh, the, the delineation there. But North um, American Indians. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> or as well as the great Mark Riccadonna joke, uh, having a... a an Indian landlord. You are not my buddy, buddy. <laughs> but, um, no, he, uh, he loves... Uh, I, there's, I don't want to paint him as simple, okay? He's definitely not a, a sophisticated guy here, and he's a bashful guy. He's a very. He, he's a good soul, you can tell. There's a little forest Gump to him, almost, in this way, where it's like Pop Warner's like, hey, you want to go participate in the Olympics? Well, sure, coach. I'll go over there. Yeah. Want to meet the president? Sure. Uh, more on that later. Uh, <laughs> what? Nope. He breaks the shot put record. Just throw that rock, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: New record.
0: Well, uh... Get me the ball. Get me the ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Thorpe loves football, but he focuses his efforts on preparing for the Olympics now, and um, Interestingly enough, his ability with jumps, hurdles, high jumps, shot, put, and pole vaulting earns him a trip to Sweden to represent the nation. That's not bad for uh, a a boy from a Native American boarding school. Right. All right? Right. So uh, now this was taken from... Born in
3: Native American country. Indeed. (laughs) There you (laughs) go.
0: Represent uh, a country you didn't know existed. Indian territory. Yeah, on a global scale, man. But this was taken from his obituary. I thought this was worth noting. His obituary in the New York Times... Thorpe could run the 100-yard dash in 10 seconds flat. The 220 in 28, I'm sorry, 21.8 seconds. The 440 in 51.8 seconds. The 880 in a minute 57 and the mile in 4:35. 4:35. I don't want to tell you what I qualified to You're join working. the United States military <laughs> with. <laughs> it was two of that. <laughs> My Impala barely does that. <laughs> but uh, he could pole vault 11 feet, and he could put the shot 47 feet and 9 inches. He could throw the javelin 163 feet, throw the disc at 136 feet, and uh, he was a master impressionist. <laughs> so, but, and a ballroom dancer. A, <laughs> well, he was a one-man army at the, 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 for the decathlon and the uh, pentathlon, it was called. Um, now, get this little thing we got to just tie in here. He's in Sweden now, okay, and he's participating in the Olympics. And as we said, there's a world war kind of... Uh, brewing. Well, brewing, and then the, the United States certainly doesn't get involved until much later. But uh, So Jim Thorpe is over here, and uh, he, he does very well for himself. Now, you want to talk about a weird twist of events. Um, he finishes first in eight out of 15 of his events. The events that he did not like really dominate in, it was because it was his first time ever doing them. That was javelin. Right? Yeah, yeah. Imagine the first time you're doing
2: it; it's it, for for a gold medal, <laughs> right? And I, I had read too that the first time he threw the javelin. He didn't know that you could run an end throw, so he's standing flat-footed and throwing the thing and placed third. it <laughs> <laughs> so. Th- really he's is from the future
3: yes. too. Uh, because when you see his third build, place, you see his build compared to the other athletes in the Olympics, and you're like, "Oh, those are old-timey athletes. This guy's a modern-day athlete. Like he was built like a modern-day athlete. He's a
0: monster. Freakish. It's literally freakish." And um, <laughs>
1: I love that image. Just standing there just
0: chucking. I these throw, yeah. I <laughs> throw spear <laughs> <far>. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, uh, Now here's the wildest one. Again, this is a simple he this is his own reference of himself is that he often talks about himself in some of his writings and, and speeches as a simple Indian boy. That's what he calls himself. Alright, so we're not making anything up here. There's no pejorative attached to it. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you have a blog and you want to destroy uh, my career, I want to remind you my name is Ken crantz
2: so anyway and too for the times, there was no weight training in the off-season and, 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 you know, um, trainers in the, in the locker room and, and everything. And diets. You, yeah, but, yeah and know, even I mean, the equipment. You're, you're talking about the leather, head, the leather yes. helmet days. There wasn't even face masks. He was just go out there and just beat the shit out of the other guy uh, or try to. Natural ability. And Eisenhower called him gifted from God. A gift from God. Mm-hmm. And this is his physique or his build. You were saying it's it's different than everybody else's it was really just from hard work from from getting out there and, and doing hard manual labor
0: yeah i don't think there was cotton candy machines at the carlisle Indian school no. either.
2: <laughs> and, and going back to what we said that they were in school but then they went out into the community to work for the community and that's where i have a very loose new jersey tie-in Uh-oh. that uh because I have a loser reception in a minute too. Uh, at the time, there were a thousand students at the Carlisle School from varying ages, from like ten to twenty-five. So there's a, a big swath of, of kids, and you've got to remember they're they're pulled off their various reservations, taken away from mom and dad, shipped off to this place called Pennsylvania. Um, you know, it's probably the first time that they were ever more than twenty miles off uh, off their uh, their homeland, their their reservation or Indian territory. Um, they spent half the day in the classroom reading and writing, and the other half they were in a shop learning a trade. Thorpe's training was in tailoring, <laughs> and then, like <laughs> many of the students, he went out to live and work with white families that were in the area. He spent two years on a farm in our own Robinsonville, New Jersey, tending to livestock and earning no shit. and earning a whopping eight dollars a month, uh, working for a guy by the name of Harvey Rosarth. Um, that he worked for this guy like for two summers. Uh, so anyway, he's he's out there lifting the load and doing breaking more, more than more than the, uh, more than Taylor, and he's doing more cattle ranching like oh, he man. used to do back home in in Oklahoma. I thought you were so, going to say that he worked at a a, a little um, convenience store in Leonardo, New Jersey.
0: <laughs> Not even supposed to be here today.
2: <laughs> um, no, but that was our. Uh, he he worked in uh, in New Jersey uh, well, summers while he was in the carlisle school which that's helped him. wild kept in pretty physical uh, pretty good physical shape
0: now we're not going to fast forward we're not going to skip over any details here we are going to pick the pace up real quick though because we do have somewhere to be all right um, but uh, real quickly he wins two gold medals and two challenge prizes and he sets an olympic points record that would stand for nearly two decades all right so now jim thorpe the simple indian boy from oklahoma is being awarded medals and prizes by King Gustav of Sweden, okay, and Tsar Nicholas of Russia, the last of the Romanovs. So, you want to talk about something weird here, too? You want lose reception? Uh, obviously, the Romanovs, there's a whole, you know, a and gets involved around this time frame and the fall of the, the Russian monarchy. Right. Um, very, very sad story. Um, but uh, guess who is also involved in the Olympics kahuna that is uh, uh, winning gold medals in uh, shooting? but has a little controversy going on right now. He's making the face. (laughs) Yeah, he's making the face. (laughs) Yep. Future General George Patton is participating in the same in the Olympic same. team. Who
3: <laughs> <laughs> knows? has left the building? <laughs> Thank you
2: and good afternoon. <laughs> uh, so, say good night, Gracie. <laughs> yeah, it is
0: wild. Now, by the way, that um, that gold medal that he won in the track event, Dad.
2: Little weird caveat with that is there not? Uh, Mark, yeah. do you know the story? Mm-mm. Oh man. Okay, Larry found a good one. He was awarded medals and prizes by King Gustav. Um, not for the pentathlon and the and the decathlon, decathlon right. so it was five events and then ten, followed by ten events. He's he's just crushing the whole thing. Um, but when he was going out to uh, uh, run for the, which eventually he would win two gold medals for, uh, someone had stolen his shoes, his track I shoes. Have heard this story. <laughs> it's a, it's uh, not it shouldn't be real. So now, is this you know some somebody. Just breaking chops because he's a he's the the dumb Indian from from America. At this time, he's not even considered a U.S. citizen because they Indians, Native Americans, that, yeah, not they did not gr- uh, be granted uh, U.S. citizenships until 1924. So he's just some uh, an American Indian. We'll, we'll they were going to build a wall, but they didn't know where to put it. <laughs> so he goes to he goes to run the event and somebody stole his shoes so is this you know uh, uh, an act of uh, prejudice or uh, or what's going on so he goes rummaging around in the, in the trash and finds two pair or two shoes two mismatched shoes yeah they weren't the same right? they weren't they, weren't, they weren't even a matched pair it was a left and a right and one shoe was much too big for him so he's wearing like three or four pairs of socks mama said these was my magic shoes <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, so, he I mean, wasn't even mad about it is he facing no, racial combat. prejudice here with somebody stealing his shoes hey what the hell you know I, i've i've always mm-hmm. done without so let me just rummage around and see what I can come up with. He puts on these two mismatched shoes, one with, like, four pairs of socks, one with, uh, you know, the normal. And them if he doesn't win the gold medal uh, running in throwing shoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that is insane. Now, he, he comes back. On his return to the U.S., Thorpe receives a ticker tape parade down Broadway. And uh, I think the line was, uh, so many people in the crowd were shouting his name. He goes, I never knew a fellow could have so many friends. <laughs> <laughs> so he's staying. as There's an Eli Manning quality to him. There's a Forrest Gump innocence. There's just this guy is very easy to root for.
2: Yeah, even when King Gustav of Sweden, here he is, is. That got debunked. He's a... What, that he just said thanks? Yeah, thanks, King. Oh, thanks, King. Yeah, that got debunked. There, okay. there was a ruin, right. I, I was so excited to tell that one, and then
0: it got debunked, because they were saying that he was such a, a shy guy, there's no way he would have said anything like that. But he, he was aloof. He didn't know that he's talking to royalty. He didn't understand right. royalty, you know? Right. I mean, he was a...
1: He just kind of shoot the shit with anybody, like like if yeah. there was anybody.
0: He was a man of very few words. Uh, which it goes to show in the rest of his life, too. Now right. it, does get, it starts to get sad here, because this is the first time that he kind of gets... Um, people coming down on him but upon his return to the u.s um he winds up getting involved with uh, the irish american athletes club which uh, as you guys know is uh, essentially just um well hockey and baseball now <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and john McEnroe. um but uh he uh, it's like a track athlete competition kind of thing in new york and uh he shows up and just starts smoking motherfuckers i mean it's not even close he's okay. shattering records uh one of the uh the, the premier athletes was a guy named by the name of uh, martin sheridan who was considered one of the finest athletes in the history of the united states he was the previous record holder and while witnessing his own record get destroyed by jim thorpe he was so blown away watching the record that as soon as uh, the the race was over thorpe walked in, and he wasn't even participating race, he was just watching it and uh, Martin Sheridan walks up, who could be, an, you know, you have every right to be an asshole. My legacy is gone now. And he walks up to Thorpe and just goes, you are the finest athlete I have ever set eyes on. So he's winning people over, the hearts I and minds. He dated six months, too. <laughs> <laughs> he went to second base that night. Um, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, about uh, six, months, uh, six months after the Olympics uh, closing ceremony, Thorpe had come, he uh, starts to come under fire here a little bit. There's this big debate at the time between professionalism in uh, that world of athletics and amateurism. And uh, towards the end of the Olympics, Thorpe had participated in two exhibition baseball games. Okay, Now, uh, due to Thorpe admitting to having played professionally in uh, the past, he had gotten paid uh, in uh, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. What you would do is in the summers off from school, a lot of the kids who were playing uh, you know, college ball would go and they would play professional ball in the the summer couple bucks yeah literally two dollars a game 55 dollars a game today okay which you know it's still not a whole Today's lot of money, money it'll be 55 yeah yeah spread, right? so um five but, more uh, than
3: a comedian makes that's
0: <laughs> it's really it's sad isn't it uh the, the sacrifices we've made for nothing um but uh now, what Jim Thorpe didn't know, again, this aloofness comes into play here, is that the, uh, the other kids from the colleges that were doing this, the, the white kids that he was, you know, around with and playing with, they all used fake names. Jim Thorpe didn't know you are supposed to make up a fake name. And, again, he has a couple of fake names you could use, Jacobus Franciscus. Uh, Wait, why Wathohok? are you supposed to
1: make up a fake name,
0: though? Because uh, if tricky. you got paid, if you got paid to be uh, an athlete, you were considered a professional athlete, and therefore you were barred from the amateur events. Like the Olympics. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, get this, man. Um, they wind up, uh, his status as an amateur gets uh, revoked. And because of this, he is stripped of his gold medals. All right? Native Americans were not granted citizenship in the U.S. like we said, Dad, until 1924. Race is rumored to have played a part in the stripping of Thorpe's medals. And uh, it, it's a sad thing, man. It was a, a journalist that discovered this on accident. Right, Dad?
2: Uh, yeah, it was a journalist that was doing a story. He was down in Rocky Mount. Um, and he he's in the manager's uh, manager's he office. Didn't know. He's in the manager's office in Rocky Mountain. Notices that there's a a framed picture on the wall of a bunch of guys coming back from a hunting trip, and looks at the photograph. And this was supposedly innocently. He looks at it and realizes that one of the guys on this hunting trip in this photograph is none other than Jim Thorpe. Now he's 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 recognized all over the world now because he's already won the olympics uh in 2000 and in, in uh 1912 so this is like now in 1913 so it's it's more than six months later uh, after this whole big fanfare the ticket tape parade and all that kind of thing going down broadway but he looks and, and sees thorpe in the in the photograph and asks this guy the manager hey isn't that jim thorpe he says yeah yeah he he played for us a couple of summers ago um and he was paid, like, like, like you say, $2 a game. So when that got published, when that got, word got out, then there was a whole big uproar, a big stink, and the, uh, the Olympic Committee um, stripped him of his of awards. But there's more to that down the road also.
0: Oh, totally. And, uh, again, race does play an issue in it for sure, they say. And uh, not for nothing, the, the public you know, opinion on him has not changed. This is Jim Thorpe, world's greatest athlete. How you pieces of shit taking away his medals. Right, like the that?
2: popularity of, yeah. of the guy was was huge. I mean, anybody that was able to um, do those events as he, as he did, just blowing the uh, the uh, the opponents away. I think the the guy, the second guy behind him, I'm not sure whether it was the Olympics or whether it was it those uh, New York games. It was like three thousand points behind him for second place, kind of a thing. So I mean, he's just <laughs> a clearly distant second. him. Yeah, a, now, a very, very distant second.
1: I do have a question though. So this podcast is called American Loser. I feel bad. So like, is is the loser the people that he? The ca- losers, ca- America, because <laughs> like. I don't see The hear. loser is
0: America, not Yeah, G4. like I, that's what I'm thinking. At, at that part, I would say, yeah, the loser is uh, the, the people that are taking the medals away from him. Now, uh, what winds up happening to this guy, because not for nothing, who do you think is the greatest athlete living right now, Kahuna?
1: I'm a poor person asked ask for that no but, but I you, mean you, could, you know You're looking
0: right across the table. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's in front
0: of your face <laughs> is, is that Mark Ricadano
2: offensive tackle for, <laughs> for a podunk high
0: school but you can name an athlete off the top Michael of your head Jordan? Michael Jordan okay do you think Michael Jordan is ever going to have to be working as a bouncer or a handyman or being an extra in a movie no. Do you think Michael Whoa, Jordan... did
1: Space Jam. No, I said that. an
0: extra, though. No, yeah, <laughs> Do you think uh, Michael Jordan is ever going to have to be admitted as a charity case to a hospital to handle lip cancer?
1: Oh, you got to be kidding me.
0: Just wait, buddy. Just wait. Now, it's not all bad yet, because this next little chapter of amazing shit is happening for him. So because uh, they publicly strip him of uh, the, the gold medals, they're also publicly announcing his uh, professionalism career okay so he is now officially known as a professional in baseball Uh, i'm sorry a professional athlete which means he can start courting offers from professional baseball teams
2: yeah just before we jump into that it was i thought it was an interesting side note too that it was our own pop warner who filled out the application for jim to go to the 1912 (laughs) olympics that he didn't know what the olympics were until pop warner explained it to him it was Pop who filled out all the all the paperwork, kind of a thing, and then disavowed any knowledge of knowing that you know Thorpe ever played baseball for Rocky Mount back in the back in the day. But
0: yes means your enlistment stops. No means Navy opportunity. That's what the recruiter told me <laughs> when I filled out the health forms before boot go. camp. There you go.
3: Well, and apparently uh, Jim Thorpe didn't even know the rules. Uh,
2: he did not about
3: what. The, no, he had meant
2: no to be paid to play. He had no clue what what was amateur status or or professional status type of thing. As I said, he, he just
1: played to play.
2: Yeah, he. I just want to play, and and he was given the opportunity to compete against the world's best athletes. He was all all about that. Yeah. Which ironically just
3: like the Shoeless Joe episode, which was yes. the one we did before, where it's this guy kind of got caught in a controversy that he didn't even know he was part of.
0: Yep, it's uh, how do you, how can you uh, have a signed confession that uh, you don't even know how to read?
1: You know? <laughs> so, like, did he also did he from the way you've described him? Did he take it to heart when his when his medals were stripped, or like was no. he more like okay?
0: And no, just no he, kept it moving?
2: he that was a definite uh, blow, blow, absolutely. It, it hurt,
0: but it didn't stop him because now this is where it gets kind of cool. So his favorite sport is football. But football is not paying right now. Uh, what the America's pastime, you're kind of in a golden age, as Mark was alluding to, of baseball. Right. Baseball is set up to pay you a living wage. So now uh, our boy Jim is in a very, very interesting time here because he's technically a free agent before there were free agents. Okay. <laughs> because he's finally been announced. There's no team that owns a contract to him. There's no sorts of nonsense going on with all that. Obviously, you guys know the story about Babe Ruth being under a contract from... Uh, the Boston Red Sox and then selling that contract to the Yankees, Curse the Bambino. But uh, because he's a free agent now, he's actually able to choose which club he's going to play for, hence the free agency. Uh, He's getting courted by clubs instead of drafted or controlled. uh, He turns down an offer from the basement dwelling, get the name of this team, Mark, the St. Louis Browns. What is it about that name that if your team is named the Browns, It's not going to happen. That's the
3: American loser mascot.
0: You have an allergic reaction to victory or success. There you go. Okay. Uh, Which, by the way, at the time of this uh, podcast recording, um, the Cleveland Browns still do not have a head coach. They're the only team in the NFL without a head coach as of right now. And they'll probably do better. (laughs) Well, there's something about the name, man. Uh, He instead joins the New York Giants. All right, not my Giants, not the, the not Eli Manning and Strahan and the boys. No,
2: the baseball Giants, uh, yes, but the, the New York baseball Giants. Yes,
0: who would later, who are now known as the San Francisco Giants, um, who have just happened to have won the 1912 National League Championship. So they win the the pennant. All right, they're going to go to the World Series uh, with Thorpe on the team. Now the Giants win the pennant again and went on to the World Series where they lost in 1913 in the World Series to the Philadelphia Athletics, now of Oakland. Hilarious, too, right?
2: But. Yeah, and at, at the time that he signed for the Giants, uh, the Giants really didn't need a rookie outfielder. As, as, Not at As all. great an athlete as Thorpe was, they didn't really need another uh, rookie outfielder. Um, and the manager of the Giants at the time was a guy by the name of uh, McGraw, who was... Nicknamed the little Napoleon, that he was another authoritarian uh, oh, and,
3: uh, coach. Just to let the listeners know about Jim Thorpe's uh, athletic abilities, when he played at Rocky Mountain, he batted 370. Yeah. Like that's crushed.
0: Pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. For, crushed. Like,
3: just a the, just the simple Indian kid.
0: Uh, no one's hitting 370. I didn't hit 370 in T-ball. Okay, let's
3: get let's get that shit straight.
0: <laughs> Swing and a miss. Oh, yeah. Kev, keep your eye on that ball. I don't know that T-ball's on something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, he was hired by the by the uh, the Giants really just as a drawing card. He was like. The novelty, the ornament. Come see Jim Thorpe, you know, the Olympic champion Uh, and everything else. Sell some tickets,
0: and he's reliable. uh, They'll manage that. He would have uh, played more oddly if he had gone to the Browns, but I
2: think he wanted to be a part of a winning organization. Well, and he um, really was just hired uh, as a a box office draw, like you say. Indeed. But he hated riding the bench because McGraw wouldn't play him. Um, And he hated riding the bench. Uh, And then one day, (laughs) I thought this was pretty cool. Well, Well, McGraw has a...
0: um, uh, what, is, what record does he hold in baseball history?
2: Oh, I think he has the uh, the most times that a manager's been thrown out of a game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and one time he took his uh, hockey skid off and tried to fight a guy with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one day, Thorpe is actually on one of the bases and misses a, uh, a sign from McGraw. McGraw calls him a dumb Indian. And uh, apparently, um, Thorpe had uh, a little something to say about that and chases mcgraw through the dugout and half the team had to restrain him from beating the shit out of mcgraw uh, thorpe was uh, sold to cincinnati the next day so. In, insanity here
0: now we do have to wrap up uh as we're, we're getting to the the downside of uh the career so when i'm going to start hitting my notes hard mm-hmm. and i want you to just you give me the high sign when you got something right. and mark up. A- Obviously, always hop in whenever you have something, man. But I do want to get the kahuna out of here on time. And uh, we have some venison to eat, fellas. Screw, all right.
2: screw the kahuna. So, it's more about the venison.
0: Yeah, I have not eaten today. Oh, damn. <laughs> 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 not, oh, I <laughs> <laughs> We're hungry, dude. Well, uh, now, as soon as they lose the uh, 1913 World Series, they go on tour. All right? Uh, so now his team, the New York Giants, are going to go on tour with the Chicago White Sox who just a few seasons later, as listeners of this very podcast would know, and Mark pointed out earlier, uh, would throw the World Series and ruin shoeless Joe Jackson's career. All right? Say it ain't so, Joe. Um, it but,
1: isn't
0: so. <laughs> but this tour is a smash success, man. Ticket sales are through the roof because you got Jim Thorpe's name attached to it. All right, Thorpe, the simple Indian boy now, you talked about earlier meeting presidents and you know, Forrest Gump and all that stuff. How about meeting the Pope? Oh damn Thorpe meets the Pope, not bad for a Catholic boy. I'm sure his parents were very proud of him for that one. what Would you say your name was again? Wathohuck? <laughs> uh, sorry, it's an old habit <laughs> um, but uh so Thorpe meets with the Pope and other heads of state, not the first time, okay, uh, but he also winds up getting to play baseball in front of the King of England, all right, pretty fucking solid resume here. <laughs> Thorpe is a strong baseball player, but he's not quite the star that he was on the football field. Like you said, Daddy gets traded several times. He's often moved from the majors down to the minors, but baseball pays enough. So that's right. why it's worth throwing. Baseball his time. pays. So mm-hmm.
2: there you go. So, if you've got athleticism and uh, you want to make some money off of that, you got to go with baseball at this particular point in time.
0: Right. And he's going to wind up playing for other clubs, such as the Boston Braves. Braves moved to Atlanta. And then. Um, Obviously, Boston you know, winds up getting the Red Sox, too. There's a time where the Boston Brewers are involved there. They move to Milwaukee, so sports are wild, how those teams move around. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, okay. And then he winds up having a second stint with the Giants again. And, uh, Mark, to your point earlier, uh, he ends his baseball career with 176 hits. 82 RBIs and seven home runs. That is seven more home runs than anyone at this table has professionally.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, and another point, too, is that you're also talking about these statistics during the dead ball days of baseball. In other words, the ball is different uh, than it is today. So to hit a home run back then, you had to knock the stuffing off it, enough knock the cover off the ball to Very get true. it out of the park. Well,
0: now he never does forget about his true love, though. All uh, right, well,
2: so. Just before you end with that, too, his uh, his career batting average while a professional baseball player was 252. So uh, that's what with over. Oh, that's where uh, that's what I weigh. Two hundred and eighty nine games. <laughs> so, not you know, he wasn't the superstar in baseball that he was in track or, or later in football, but he certainly was uh, no slouch either.
0: It's, uh, I agree with you on that one. Now, I'm going to ask a favor of you while I get into this next little topic here, because I have to talk to Mark directly about this one. Can you text Uncle Paulie and let him know 745? I can do that. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Now, he never forgets his true love of uh, football. So uh, what better way to talk about this next uh, thing than to talk to a kid from Canton? All right. Marcus uh, Anthony Riccadonna. Uh, he signs with a team. Did you know Canton had a football team? Yes, of course. What was the name of the team? The Bulldogs. You know it, dude. I have a Bulldog at home. I'm pretty happy about
3: that. And the the biggest rivalry in history is the Canton Bulldogs versus the Massillon Tigers. No shit. I didn't
0: they know They play that at Fawcett Stadium every year. Oh, that's like for the, the tradition game kind of a thing, right? Yeah. It's it's, uh, a,
3: it's two high schools, and they're insane. Like, that's got to be fun to see. If you're born in Canton or Massillon birthplace of football, by the way, for those that don't They know. send you, if you're a boy, a football, and a girl, you get a pom-pom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. <That's> a <laughs> well, and um, he signs with the Canton Bulldogs in 1915. And get this, um, he was paid $250 a game, okay? Six grand a game today. You and me would take that in a
2: heartbeat. Uh, the yeah. 250 then is, yes. is six, six grand, grand today. Then, yeah. Okay. Which is ridiculous for I'll the let time. I thought somebody knocked the shit out of me for six grand. <laughs> but for how long? There's yeah, a, right.
0: Yeah, we all say that. I'm and good then we for say, one game. Yeah, and then you just play. see Lawrence Taylor just breathing heavy on the other. Right. Uh, <laughs> I <Right.
1: laughs> just let my soul leave my body at that point and be yep. like, ah, well. You,
0: you don't have a choice. <laughs> it's um, But it's pretty wild because uh, this massive paycheck uh, for sports at that time, but we still look at that, and that's like peanuts compared to what these guys are making now. I think they worked out Garrett Cole's contract for whatever amount of, uh, however many $100,000 he makes per pitch right. with his new contract with the Yankees. right, But um, he was good for it, all right? Thorpe was worth the money. The Bulldogs are winning titles, and attendance jumps up over 800% for his debut game. Wow. All right? 800%. Yeah, I think
2: that was throughout the season. There were pretty much sellouts throughout the season. It wasn't just the, his debut game, but... Yeah, he, he But was, um,
0: no, for specifically for his debut game, the crowd, they sold over 800 more times. Uh, 800, 800 times, yeah. right. Wow, I'm bad at math. <laughs> it's just, just, just saying
4: it, that's all. Well, they, <laughs> the Bulldogs wind up winning titles
0: in 1916, 1917, and 1919. You know what happened in 1918, Mark? Uh, we don't talk about 1918. <laughs> Was there a little war going on? A <laughs> No, it's just a, one year that Thorpe didn't win, so I'm sure he was such a, a fierce competitor, he wouldn't want to talk about it. Like, it, always, it always makes me laugh that when Jorge Posada was getting interviewed, they asked him if he had any regrets with the Yankees, and he, he still complained about the 2001 World Series. And they're like, really? You, you? But you won so many. He goes, yeah, but we were close on that one.
3: <laughs> um, but, uh, it's the comedian that kills but the one guy that didn't laugh is the one that bothers oh one. yeah
0: it's, you just picture uh, that, that one woman's face sitting front row at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club why, do you, why wouldn't you laugh Dave Attell told me I was funny The face <laughs> of stone wasn't good enough for you um, but uh, get this one the 1919 championship uh, Thorpe single handedly wins the game the title game on a 95 yard wind assisted punt Okay, so he goes out there to punt the ball, and he punts it so far back that they're like, there's not enough time on the clock for this day. To... Like, literally, you're just watching your hopes for the season just sail away.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, like a balloon just floating away out of reach. Um, and there it goes. Yep. <laughs> but uh, this one was the coolest one. I had no clue on this one. My father... When we when we research the show together, we'll we'll talk to each other about some stuff and see what's going on. We try to bullshit on the car ride down if we can a little bit. This is this one fact here is the reason why we decided that it was going to be uh, this episode has to come out for the Super Bowl uh, in 1920. Thorpe was made the first president of the American Professional Football Association, which would become the National Football League. So Jim Thorpe. The simple native boy from Oklahoma is now the first considered technically the first president of the NFL. Uh, but here's the wildest part. Thorpe is still a player, and he's also a coach on his own team. So imagine <laughs> imagine Roger Goodell or Lawrence Taylor, depending on how funny you want to make this for yourself. Lawrence Taylor is, uh, you know, literally ripping people's heads off on the side, then also going on the, you know, Rip people's heads off on the sideline, telling them to play harder. Then getting on the field and just breaking Joe Theismann's leg. And then also residing over Players Association meetings. All right, guys, that was a good meeting. Anybody? The good news is it's a time saver. You can rip the people's heads off on
3: the field in the huddle.
0: I told you to play. You can't tackle your own teammates, Taylor. I'll do what I want. You're right. You're right. I'm changing that
2: rule. (laughs) There you go. Note to self, change that rule. Now, even wilder
0: is this. So he winds up getting replaced to a guy who can do the job a little bit more effectively. He's not going to be, you know, trying to play uh, every uh, every Sunday. But uh, in 1923, he played so well for his team that he was actually named to uh, what is considered the NFL's first ever All Pro team. Okay. Uh, now, sadly, Thorpe never gets to play for an NFL championship team. He retires from sports. His body's just giving out. He's not playing like he used to, and he's forced to retire at age 41. Now, what do we know about Maybe a, a certain quarterback from New England that has pretty much decided he's going to be coming back and will be playing at age forty four next season. Oh really? Yeah. If only Jim Thorpe had a little T B twelve to him, he could have figured out how to make this or all. Pop work.
3: Warner would be played by Bill Belichick.
0: That's <laughs> this is uh... Uh, dude, that would be perfect, man. I I, <laughs> I can't hate Belichick. I love him, man. I love him for what he did for the Giants for those two years, and I just I, I love watching excellence on the field, you know. But um as we're wrapping up here, because we got some venison to eat, baby. Um, like we said, in 2005, uh, this one's wild. This one, there's really no record of this. We're, this is kind of like new territory here. That if we're jumping from 1923, when he uh, retires, to 2005, where an old book reveals a ticket that proves that Thorpe actually had also had a quiet basketball career as well. What Baseball, football, gold medals and track, ballroom dancing intercollegiate championships. <laughs> and yeah, he was also the star player of the LaRue Indians. It's not a very well documented basketball career, but it has been verified, verified and validated. And
3: validated yeah. So I guess basically the takeaway from this is Bo does not know that.
0: D- <laughs> <laughs> Bo Jackson is, uh, in my mind, before reading this uh, background on Jim Thorpe, Bo Jackson was to me the greatest athlete of all time. Until I started reading Jim dwarfship. <laughs> yeah. Holy hell Bo
3: only played one position
0: that's all, <laughs> that's all he needed to play unfortunately The fact that he is now a Bo Hunter Is the wildest part of that whole story <laughs> But um, yeah like uh, Most athletes though this is where he's very uncommon As an athlete until we get to this one part here some about athletes and marrying a bunch of women He was the original NBA player. He was spreading that seed like Johnny. (laughs) Well, um, like most athletes, he gets married three times. Winds up having eight kids. His first wife's name is uh, Ida, who he had met at Carlisle. She was also part Native American. Someone was in the kitchen with her. (laughs) Hashtag dad. Oh, that's. The uh, two wind up buying a house together in Oklahoma, and uh, it is known as the Jim Thorpe House. I believe you can still visit it. Um, they had four children. Ida files for divorce in 1926 on the grounds of desertion. So, you know, don't... Um, I guess that's kind of similar to what's happening still in a lot of sports places, you know what I mean? <laughs> where well, it was separated, you know, that kind of a thing. But uh, just a year later, he winds up marrying a woman named Frida Kirkpatrick. Okay, probably uh, making the Irish half of the family uh, pretty happy. They had four more children and were married for 15 years. 15 years is a good That's run a good run to, to be married to an athlete, right? Dad, how long have you been married to mom? Uh, 38, working 30, on 39 in February. Uh, I hear you. All right. Well, the, uh, Uncle Paulie bet the under on 40, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, okay. But, uh, yeah, they had, uh, like I said, four more children. Make it 15 years until Kirkpatrick divorces him. So now he, the first wife says that he deserted, and then the second wife just kind of says, "I'm done here." Second but wife said, "Won't leave me alone." <laughs> this guy can't win. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, post-athletic pursuits, Jim uh, is uh, marred by exploitations and excessive alcoholism. He becomes. A little bit of a drunkard, okay. A little stereotype action. Yeah, you know it. It's uh, he. Um, he's like we said. He had to work as a bouncer a couple of times. He's working as an extra in movies. And guess what roles they had him play, Kahuna?
1: Uh, like background roles and stuff. Background, like that. and they would have him play a Native, um,
0: a Native American chief. Yep, <laughs>
1: right. and, and an umpire.
0: I was reading. Well, he, that's the weirdest one. He played an umpire in the Newt Rockney movie. So the world's greatest athlete in a good athletes movie. <laughs> so, Newt Rockne is another. I shouldn't insult him, but I'm just saying like, that's like Michael Jordan uh, you know, being a referee in the Charles Barkley saga. But anyway, as we're wrapping up here, guys, because uh, this is a good episode here, but I'm so hungry. Um, uh, what, what do you have, LP? Well, you didn't get to marriage number three, I don't think. Well, we're about to hit that what one right you- now. During the Great Depression, unfortunately, things only got worse for Thorpe. The nation's greatest athlete is, uh, like we said, playing these extra roles. Um, he's also he sold the film rights to his life to MGM for fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, what would the Big Kahuna's movie life rights be for your story, buddy?
1: How much I think they're worth?
0: Yeah, would would if, would you sell it for fifteen hundred?
1: I'd do it for eight.
0: <laughs> hundred or dollars? Eight
1: hundred. <laughs> Eight hundred, maybe a pack of beer. Yeah,
0: you, give me, you give me a rent check and a carton of cigarettes, and I'm yours. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fifteen hundred dollars, uh, twenty five thousand dollars in today's money.
2: Yeah, at this time too, he's he's bouncing around. He's moving constantly. He's going from Oklahoma to New York to California to Michigan to Florida to Nevada, and stops in between. He's he's trying everything. He's trying to make a buck. Uh, he's Trying to make a bucket as a football coach, a security guard, uh, ditch digger, house painter, car salesman, bar manager, and you, know, you say he was even a Hollywood uh, bit actor. Um, but where, uh, you know, he's not—he's not making it. Um, he's pretty much uh, <laughs> scraping the bottom. Well, he does get a movie made about his life, starring Burt Lancaster,
0: and uh, Thorpe is paid, like we said, fifteen hundred dollars extra for the movie and given a small annuity. This winds up proving important because in 1945, he gets remarried for the third time to Patricia Eskew. But by the 1950s, he's got no money left. America's greatest athlete is accepted as a charity case for lip cancer in the hospital. And uh, in 1953, in his home in Lomita, California, during dinner. Now, by the way, I said his home. And my father pointed out he lived in a trailer at this point. He was in a trailer. Um, Jim Thorpe uh, dies of heart failure at age 65.
2: Yeah, he's, uh, he's totally out of shape. You know, he's bloated. He's, he's an alcoholic, I guess, at this particular point in time, too. Um, he dies of a, a heart attack in his trailer. Uh, his wife, Patsy, his third wife, Patsy, leaves the body in the trailer overnight. Uh, and it wasn't until friends discovered his death that uh, they raised the money to transport him to a morgue uh, back home and, uh, and arrange for and paid for a trip back to Oklahoma to bring him back to his to his homelands, if you will. But uh, things really start going going south with that. Um, uh, now Thorpe had a total of eight kids, but his first son, his his firstborn, died at the age of three, and that really tore him up. So he's got seven kids that are now uh, still living um and the family gets together and decides that they're going to take him home to Oklahoma for his burial uh but Patsy is technically in charge and and his varying reports as to what her motivation really was that did she marry Thorpe um as the third wife really looking to maybe make some money off a off of being the wife of uh, Jim Thorpe, world's greatest athlete, even though he was on hard times at that particular point. But anyhow, uh, the plan was to take him back to Oklahoma and he was to be given a traditional sack and fox uh, burial rite which was a multiple day kind of a thing and then he would be taken to the uh, Catholic Church for a Catholic Mass the next morning and then taken to a a mausoleum. In the middle of the uh, Indian um, burial ceremony, if you will, Patsy drives up with state troopers and a hearse, pulls the body out and takes takes Jim's body away and uh, stores him, if you will, in a memorial. And now she's driving all over Oklahoma. The idea was that Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, was going to build this memorial shrine for Jim Thorpe. Uh, that plan goes south. Uh, the governor renegs on that. And now she's taking she's shopping around all over Oklahoma, the various cities in Oklahoma to see if find somebody who would pay her and also put up some kind of a mausoleum or something that would um, be for Jim not coming up with anything. She actually goes to a meeting in Philadelphia and. Um, Actually, it was NFL headquarters at that particular point in time. And she sees a television program that there's these two little uh, two little towns in Pennsylvania that are at odds with one another. There's uh, Machunk and East, East Machunk. One is on one side of the river. The other is on the other side of the river. They're, um, they're on hard times. Uh, that particular area of Pennsylvania, which was a major league uh, coal Uh, Country uh, at one time was thriving. Now they're on hard times, and they're looking for something to spark tourism into the area. There was hopes that uh, they were going to have something to draw tourism to that area, to revitalize that area. Um, She sees this like on a TV report while she's in Philadelphia speaking to the NFL people. And then drives up to uh, it's Machunk the <laughs> That's right. Goes up to Machunk to talk to these people about, hey, what would you what would you feel about having uh, Jim Thorpe come to your town, and we'll use Jim Thorpe's uh, remains as the, the oh, tourism man. attraction, uh, providing that you know she gets paid, and they decide that they're going to rename East Machunk and Machunk will now become Jim Thorpe. The, uh the Machunk chunk people well, they're all about that Munchie cheese love it <laughs> yeah right they're thinking this is great and uh they were they had hopes of actually bringing the NFL uh Hall of Fame to Machunk Chunk as well so you'd have Jim Thorpe's body right there at the uh, the proposed NFL Hall of Fame uh well they got Jim Thorpe but they never got anything else besides that so it was a, a minor tourism attraction, but it never really materialized into what they had hoped to be. Um, uh, Then there's uh, the, the sons, not so much the Jim Thorpe's daughters, but the sons, are like they're outraged because when she first came into the middle of the burial ceremony and Basically, took the body, the body out, stole the body out of there, they were like so dumbstruck by that, like, like what the hell are you doing, lady? Oh like, yeah, that's our that's our father you're taking away, and where are you taking him? And you know she's all about the whole business of of finding some place for Jim and I guess making a few bucks at the same time. Um, so after this whole thing comes to pass, they rename the town. They do put up a, a memorial to uh, Jim Thorpe in what is now Jim Thorpe, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, the sons now file um, a lawsuit against them. They ask for the body back. First, they, they started to ask, and guess what? Machunk Chunk or Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, the town says, no way. Um, So there's all legal acts back and forth. Um, Then there's uh, federal legislation um, that's enacted that's going to protect uh, Indian burial rights because there was a number of different instances prior to this, like in the in the 20s, the 30s and the 40s where Indian burial grounds are dug up and the, the remains are being sold off as curiosities. There's one farmer out in Kansas who who uh, digs up a, uh, a burial mound where like 163 bodies or something are, are discovered. And he's shellacking... He's putting a coat of shellac on the bones and selling them for curiosities kind of a thing. And it became oh, well. Yeah, they're not people. So, yeah. Kind of... Yeah. So that went I mean, that's that's the mindset, Kev. Um, All right. We're already in overtime here. We got to go. We, we filed. They filed a lawsuit. It went back and forth. And then the Supreme Court, it finally went to the Supreme Court and they refused to hear the case. Uh, so Jim Thorpe is still in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania.
0: <laughs> Trapped in Pennsylvania in a town named after you that you didn't want to be in. Uh, the Mark Ricadonna's story. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I'm so sorry we had to rush on that. We just got um, we got we got away from ourselves. That's the problem, here. guys. If you like the show, please check it was us good out. Episode. At a, it was we had to rush it to get out of here. I feel so bad for the other the, the people that are waiting on us right now. Guys, if you like the show, uh, please give us a review, written review over on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud. American Loser Podcast on Instagram. Mark Riccadonna, where can they follow you? Uh, Mark Riccadonna, everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hell yeah, we got some shows coming up. Larry Burke, I'm very sorry I rushed you, man. I really am. I'm sorry. the way it goes. It is. uh, We fucked up on that one. But Cahoons, thank you so much for everything, buddy. And uh, if I had a 20 on me, I'd leave it for you here. We're going to get the fuck out of here. All right, that was Jim Thorpe, American Loser.
2: American Loser.